something that I've learned over time that the lower the budget is, the more work that a client often expects. Uh, that's just something that I've discovered over time. That kind of links into qualifying as well. I think it's really important. This is something that it took us a long time to learn too. It's really important that you understand as early as possible when someone requests work from you, whether they're the kind of client that you actually want to work with and getting a budget out of them is one of the ways to do that. But it's often a hard to just say, what is your budget? Because they won't tell you. So there's a really simple way to get around that. Just if they come to you for a particular project, have in mind your kind of ballpark figures for any kind of project. So if they come to you and say, I want you to make a website, for example, you can go back to them and say, right, well, our websites start from £4,000. Is that the kind of budget that you're looking for? They'll either say, no, that's too expensive, or yes, that sounds fine. And then you can progress it from there. If you go into a relationship, first of all, and you never discuss money until you give them a proposal that you might have spent a couple of days writing, it there's a shock there at the end. So as early as possible in that process, I'd suggest the initial phone call, the initial email, whenever, say to them, my projects start from X amount. Is that the kind of budget that you've got for this project? And, and I think you're never going to get it right because uh, everybody has their own different way of talking about money and culturally it's actually quite different as well that uh, some cultures aren't used to talking about money straight away Um, some people can be very abrupt Uh, I I really appreciate clients that do not sort of beat around the bush they say this is what we got and you can say so yes or no Um, always leave room for negotiation Um, I always um, when when I say my price, I say say they're looking for logo design, right? I'm always trying to make the, the project bigger where I can. Uh, I'll say my uh, the fee that I usually work to, and I'll say that's how much it costs to do that logo design project. However, for that price, I will also include uh, stationary design. I will do like uh, business cards for you, and I will do this for you, so that they feel like they're actually getting a value add as well. So although the budget might be slightly out of their uh, vision, um, that they're, they're kind of thinking, well, okay, now I hadn't thought about getting that done, but that budget now seems reasonable because I'm getting you know, all of this sort of value add. So I'm always going that way. If I feel that, they can't, that the budget seem, is going to seem high for them, it's always just say, tell them what else they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody else is quoting for exactly that small thing. If you say, you know, I'm going to do this and this, because I, I believe this will serve your business more to have, I don't know. You can come up with lots of different things, right? Maybe it's just, um, maybe they need a small brochure and it's like, well, you know, it, it costs three grand to do logo design, but I'll also do you a, a six, a, an eight page brochure. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where you get someone thinking about, I only need a logo and you're thinking, that they, they, it helps them understand that you want to do the best thing for them. And you kind of explain, well, you know, the brochure will serve you because this is the way you engage with people. So value add is, is really important, I think. Yeah, it's, it's important as well because the way that you do logo design are, is not the same as the way another 
designer does logo design. So it's important to clarify what that product is that they're actually receiving. I think we can sometimes think that the client knows exactly what they're going to get, but they might actually not even really understand themselves what the project is. They might not. They might just have been told that they need this particular thing. Everybody knows they need a logo, for example. Everybody knows they need a website, but they don't necessarily know what that actually means, and that can mean drastically different things. And also with that, when they go around maybe getting a couple of different quotes, those prices can be dramatically different too, and they don't know what differentiates your product from theirs. Yours might be the most expensive, or it might be the most cheap, uh, the cheapest, or it might sit in the middle, but clients don't understand the difference between those things. Do you know what I mean? So it's important to do what you just said and actually tell them, well, this is exactly what you're going to get, and I'll throw this in too. So it leads me into another point about, we said say yes to a lot of things, but it's also important, I think, when you first start out as a freelancer, to say no to some things. And this is where red flags come in and we start to think about the things that we've learned over time that definitely means you should never work with a client. So some of the ones that I can just think off the top of my head and then I, I, you've probably got some too. Number one, if there's a massive deadline on a project and a massive immediate urgent deadline that they desperately need you to meet, that's often a red flag, not always a red flag. Number two, if a client seems desperate in terms of they're constantly contacting you, they constantly want you to uh, give them the quote, they constantly want you to give them the proposal, they're pestering you constantly. Initially, that is how the conversation is going to develop when you actually do work for them. So they're probably not going to be the kind of client you want to work with. Um, and is there any others that you can think of? I, I, I always have red flags when people don't respect um, uh, don't respect me as a, like a human being with yeah. my own uh, life outside of work. So um, aside from international clients, which is largely what I deal with, but if you have a client in the UK um, and they're bombarding you with emails on a Saturday or a Sunday, um, I know that a lot of people have their own jobs, uh, other work, and that they're sort of um, building a business after hours or something like that. Um, but I, I found that uh, people that um, uh, spend time constructing emails that are quite long and thorough in what they're looking for um, and that they're sending it within working hours rather than sending me 50 emails across the weekend that they could have actually, if they just sat down and wrote it together. Yeah. Um, so actually that's a, that really is a red flag is when I'm getting bombarded with emails that they, if I, if I know they could have sat down and written one email with everything in it, that, yeah. that is a red flag because it tells me that they're not, they're impulsive, right? Rather than, yeah approaching it in a sort of rational, pragmatic approach. Um, that's a red flag. Um, people that are rude, actually, on the phone. Uh, you've got to bear in mind cultural differences. Sometimes one person's abruptness uh, is just a, a sort of a, a cultural thing. Um, don't be overly sensitive to that. It's is probably good advice is that some people just are going to be very direct. Um, People who see you as a commodity, people who see you as a commodity, a little bit like maybe being rude, but actually think, right, well, you're 
you're a logo designer, how much is it going to cost me to get a logo, tell me now, tell me now, that's all you're providing, do you know what I mean, that kind of attitude. The, the other one is perhaps people don't uh, see the delineation between you as an independent designer and an employee, that there are lines that uh, should be drawn in the way that they uh, generate feedback. Um, that if you, if you haven't agreed to be on call all the time and they think you're on call all the time, to me that's a, a red flag. That there are sometimes people that are, they, they, I've had times where people have, have been very, very keen to call me before we've had um, uh, like an email interaction. They'll just email and say, I need a logo design or I need this or I need that, call me. And I'm always like on an email string, I'll say, could you send me um, uh, some information on your business, your project and your budget, and then we can schedule a call. Because in the past, what I've found is that I made that call. I spent an hour explaining my process. And what I think was happening was they were acquiring information um, from me. Perhaps they wanted to understand how the design process works, but without paying my price for it. Uh, and then going on to try and hire someone cheaper. So where you're finding that you're potentially giving away insight, consultation services, before you've even uh, checked whether there's an actual project available there. So anyone that is just wants to jump on a phone call straight away, to me, it's not a red flag, but it says that uh, they may have some kind of agenda. Um, I just want to know what, what the project is before I schedule calls because time, of course, it is money um, that I could, the time could be spent on, on client projects that are being paid for. And what you've done there as well is another point that I was going to mention. You've set the expectation up immediately too. You've explained to them, if you do not accept that phone call, you're saying to them, this is the way that I'm going to work. And it's it's important to set that expectation from the very beginning of a project to not let the client dictate the process because that when you do start let, letting the client dictate the process, that compounds as the project moves on and then you kind of get into this situation towards the end where you'll just, you'll be doing anything to get the project finished and everybody's not very happy with each other and nobody's happy with the result. So it's important to set that expectation from the very beginning of the project and watch out for the red flags and maybe battle back against them a little bit. Don't, I know what I used to be like whenever somebody came to me, they sent me an email, uh, I, I really want you to work on this project. You get excited about it because it's a lead and you think about the potential of it and you treat every single lead the same way, but it's important to step back from the dopamine hit of the lead and actually just look at it rationally and say, is this going to be right for me? And then actually do some qualification on that and see if it's right before you spend an hour on, on the phone like you did explaining the entire process. I've got a good one for you. Like an anecdote of uh, over-eagerness is um, I, 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 maybe I should try the full, full context here, right? So in my naivety, I was really fresh into freelancing. Um, I got some kind of good SEO, so I was on like the front page for freelance design or whatever. I got a call from the Daily Mail, and they wanted a quote 
from a independent designer uh, around the London 2012 Olympic logo. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be in the newspaper, right? And I'm like, yeah, I hate it. It's this, it's that, whatever. Uh, <laughs> in complete naivety, right? I didn't know anything. And um, it was published in the newspaper the next day, right? I still got the Daily Mail, like uh, <laughs> freelance designer Richard Baird from Nottingham, whatever. Alongside some d design studio creative director, right? I was like, I've made it, right? This is going to like, <laughs> I've made it. But the next day, I received a phone call, which is very rare because usually it would come through email, right? And they were like, we've got this project, right? It's huge. Um, you're going you're gonna to be doing van liveries. Uh, we're going to have like, we're actually going to have Humvees that you're going to be able to brand and everything. I was like, wow, wow, what's the budget? Um, I think they were like, it's going to be like 10 grand. Um, we'd love to meet you. Let's have a conversation. And they were like, so this is the address come meet us here, right? And I was like, great. It was in Nottingham. Um, so I packed up my portfolio and everything like that. I took the tram to the other side of Nottingham, right? The address didn't exist. Oh, <laughs> it took, there, there wasn't even a building there, right? Um, I, I cross-checked it with everything and I had a conversation. And I think because of the proximity and the visibility of what I've just done with the newspaper thing, I think that somebody thought they would play a little prank on me. Yeah. And in my over-enthusiasm, I hadn't checked anything. I just heard the budget. I heard the van liveries, got excited, and they had me traipsing across Nottingham to do it. It wasn't a huge expense, but I felt like a bit of a fool doing it. And I think the thing you learn there is that you just need to do your due diligence, right? That even if you're speaking to someone on the phone, uh, it could be there could be nothing to it, right? Uh, try yeah. and keep your head on <laughs> and do a bit of research and ask the right questions because uh, I was just like straight out, out on the tram the next day like thinking I was going to meet uh, this big client, you know, because I'd been in the newspaper. That, that leads me to another red flag. <laughs> Don't speak to newspapers. No, that's not it. Um, the other red flag is carrot dangling. So, so a client will come to you often and this is almost probably 99.9% .9 red flag for me a client will come to you with a small project and they'll say I want you to do I don't know I, I want you to do this adver advertisement for a newspaper for us it's only a couple of hundred quid but we we really want a, a relationship with a designer and we're about to rebrand and we want to spend 20 grand with you so do a really good job on this and then we'll come to you for the rest of the work. That never, ever happens. They, they, they are just saying it to make you do more work for the least amount, of uh, least amount of money as possible by dangling a carrot of future work and they, the work inevitably never comes off. So be very careful. And that's another tactic similar to what you experienced. They, they, they say things that they think are going to make you get really excited. You do get really excited and then it never materializes. So be very careful with carrot dangling. Yes. I just always get the, the money that you expect for that job. Um, you, again, you just learn over time. 
when that's happening and when there is a real opportunity. Um, even big corporations, um, they may, it's not that they're trying to drive your price down. They may even think that there's more work in it, that they want to get you excited. But um, the people higher up, perhaps, uh, don't have any intention. It's just that middle management that you're dealing with is is excited about the project and wants you to be excited. So don't always see it as a negotiation tactic. Some people do use it like that. Um, and uh, most people respect you for pushing back and saying, um, that's great. Um, I, I'd love to continue to work with you, but for this project, as it's the first project and there's no promise of future work, I will expect that, that my full fee to be paid here. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic tip. So on the kind of deposits thing, there's just one step before that. Um, if we're talking about a freelancer for the first ever time, I remember writing my first proposal for some work, not, not having a clue what to actually put in a proposal because there's the step between, isn't there? There's somebody comes to you and says, I want you to do a re a rebrand, uh, uh, of my logo I, I want you to do branding guidelines um can you tell me a price so what 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 do you do in in that stage do you send them a proposal or, or what would you recommend a freelancer would do to actually get the job through the door as it was i rarely do proposals um the only time i've done proposals was like in the last two years um i would just uh, as we mentioned in, in previous things about pricing, um, I knew how much I needed to survive. And that's basically the foundational component of my pricing structure up until more recently. Um, I've barely been asked to do proposals. I know if they say I need X, Y, and Z, I, to, to cost it, I need to know exactly what the deliverables are. And often they don't have a set of deliverables and you say, right, just tell me exactly what it is. If it's packaging, I want to know every product variation that you're going to have, and then I'll just price it like that. So it's not, a, it's not really a proposal. I just tell you how much it's going to cost. Um, very rarely do they say, can I get a, a breakdown? Um, for things more recently, um, I've just broken it down because the project is a bit bigger and there's lots of different assets, so brochures, um, corporate identity, visual identity. And for each thing, I'm saying this is the process, this is what you can expect for this, and then for the next item, this is what the process will be, and this is how much it will cost. And then at the bottom, you have like a, a total. That's as far as I go with a proposal. Um, I've seen proposals come out of design studios, and it takes them ages, but they're dealing with these really big clients really big projects and they have to take the proposals to people that are higher up than them to sign off. So it really depends on the size of the project. And it's like the, the, the cash thing, right? Is that if you believe that the project is, you're going to be able to pull it off, that you're going to be able to actually get the project, then of course you, you're going to speculate and do a bit more of a thorough job on the proposal. But it's kind of like, can you afford to spend a, a week on it? And not a week, like a couple of days on it. Mm. Um, and that comes with the stability thing. If you've got money in the bank, you feel like having a punt and putting in a proposal, do it. Um, that's the only way you're going to start to get the bigger clients. And it's the same thing with pitch processes is if you can cover your initial um, round of ideas that they've asked for and 
pitching against other studios and you can afford to do that, do it. I know bigger studios do free pitches or first round creative work. Uh, you, you have your own principles and sometimes it's unfortunate that other studio principles make it harder for you to do your job. But if you've got enough in the bank, you can say, look to the client, no, this is not how we do it. We believe we provide a, a, a service. Here's a document of all the projects we've worked on and how we brought value to that. And I've seen it when that's been done and they've actually won it without doing any first-round creative work against client, uh, against other studios that actually did first-round creative work. Mm -hmm. the, the proposal and the process that they were putting forward was greater than the first-round creative work from the studios. And I think that's you learn to judge the approach or you learn some principles to design by, right? And that by putting forward that principle, that might resonate more with the client than seeing work. And actually by doing work, first round creative work for free, uh, and then everyone but one studio says, actually, that's not for us. The client then understands that, oh, okay, so maybe that isn't the right thing to do because for the last two years, we've been doing these free creative pitches with them, studios, and no one's ever told us that that might not be the best approach or the best sort of moral approach to things. Um, so yeah, you can really help shape a client's understanding if you're the one that says no. Yeah, it's it's a good point. We we don't really do any free free design work. It's one one a cost thing, so we we just haven't got the time to do it. But I think there's there's a there's a bigger point around it as well that often when we have done it and we've won the project. Well, they they think the design solutions sorted, or they've got they've got an idea in the head already, and we've just told them that, well, we've still got to design it, and now to backtrack, it feels a bit weird sometimes to actually explain to them. Look, these were just, I these were just a beauty contest. This was just the ideas to show you our ability. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now we need to delete all that stuff and bin it and start again. And clients don't often understand that, so I find it. It doesn't show the process that you would actually go through to the best degree. So we don't do pitch work on, on that basis often and we push back against it and say we, we're not going to provide design work. We'll, we'll provide you a proposal, which, which we do do for every project. So the majority of our proposals, and we've done this from the very beginning, the majority of our proposals is boilerplate content, so it's not stuff that we're rewriting every time, but it's just stuff about our studio, about the way we think, and then there's a little bit about who who uh, who works there, some of the clients that we've worked for in the past, uh, a couple of case studies in there that are already written that we, we provide that are appropriate to that project, and then also just an explanation of our process which is just pretty standard text that we put into every single one and then a price so it just gives them a little bit of a, a full picture of who we are and what we do and how we might approach that project i think it's really important to get in front of them as well um even if it's just for a half hour or an hour um is that there's no uh substitute for the passion and enthusiasm for a designer um uh, when you write a proposal, uh, sometimes it's just, it's just very difficult to articulate 
um, your your positioning or what you can offer or the, the your enthusiasm or understanding or just your character, right? And bringing a potential client in for a coffee and you should always pay for the coffee. I don't know whether that's like, do not let the potential client pay for anything, right? Yeah. Just don't take them out for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pay for the coffee and just uh, draw them into who you are as well, that your passion and enthusiasm um, is, is an essential part of alongside that sort of pragmatic process of, you know, this is what you can expect and how we go about it. But here's my enthusiasm for design and, and its potential to, to help the business achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Yeah, I try to do that as much as possible in, in a project from start to finish, meeting the client and actually talking to them, ideally face-to-face, but video call if possible. Worst case scenario is email. I'll never share designs over an email. I'll never just dump it in somebody's inbox. I'll always want to explain that work to them first so they can actually appreciate the thinking that's gone behind it, which, which serves two purposes. They get to hear the designer's opinion, but also they can't they can't just look at the work on um, just an instinct level and say, I don't like it, because I'm there straight away to say, well, why don't you like it? What's what's wrong with it? Instead of them just seeing it in an email and just saying, oh, I don't like that. And, and then that kind of festering in their mind for a day or two before you actually speak to them. Yeah, because it, it can build build up like quite a sort of, they're, they're just disappointed and then there's like two days of disappointment. But uh, on the front, like I, I actually do dump the work uh, exactly like that through email. I set up a PDF document. Uh, I lock it so that you can't edit it. But of course you can pull. This is where it comes to the 50% deposit, right? If someone really wants to steal the work, they could steal the work, right? I don't have the money to really chase it after. It's like a trust thing, but hopefully you've gone through a process where you trust them and that you, and that's why meeting them, right? You can get a sense of who they are and whether they're going to cause you any problems. So, but what I do, because, you know, I, I run BPNO that I've spent so much time writing that um, with every presentation, th- there is a very strict presentation style where th- there is the concept, but there's also a quite a bit of text to read about each thing. And I say to them, look, sit down with it, read everything, take a few days with it. The first thing that jumps out at you, that you feel like it's interesting may actually dissolve your interest. Uh, your interest may wane on that and something else may emerge later on uh, over the co- couple of days. Like number three might, might start to make more sense to you. Um, and I've actually never had a problem with that. I might have one or two clients have emailed me and said, you've completely missed this and you completely got it wrong. And, and perhaps I did actually in those two cases get it wrong. But They've always given me that second chance. It's always very embarrassing when I've got the brief wrong. I misread something or <laughs> I've spelled in the logo type, spelled the company name wrong or no, something. I, I've done that before. <laughs> oh, God, it's so, it's so embarrassing. I had one where <laughs> I completely misread the brief and I designed all of these sort of routes with the wrong name. And she said, I think it was like five grand or something. And she's like, I don't trust you anymore. Can I have my money back? 
and of course I don't spend the money, you know, straight away, but it goes straight into the savings account. And, you know, I, I felt so embarrassed uh, and I gave her a bat, but it, it really hurt to have that five grand in that bank account and then give it back. But it was completely my mistake, uh, my fuck up. Uh, and it was like a big enough fuck up for me to just internalize it and learn from it and read so carefully the brief again every day every time i start work on it again before i send it out i check everything architects and architecture <laughs> two things that i sometimes get messed up on the name um but yeah so i do i send it through email uh, but usually it's because i trust the client to sit with it and they know me through bpno they know my thinking um, that they're expecting to read about the logo work or the corporate identity, the visual identity system, read about how um, it's more than just the logo, that there's other systematic components to it. They expect to read it. I, I think you're still achieving the same thing with that, though. You were creating a presentation. When I say dumping in an email, I, I mean literally that. I mean just sending them a logo and saying, what do you think, that kind of thing. That. That's not what you're doing. You're just doing a written presentation, whereas I'm talking about a verbal one. I think they're, they're the same things, essentially. It's just justifying the choices that you've made that sometimes we don't do, or, or at least I definitely didn't do when I first started as a designer. I didn't justify the reasons for doing things. It was just a, do you like it? And then often I find if you say, do you like it? The answer's no. But that's that's like uh, language, right? It's it's the wrong question. Yeah. Um, like the email has to. It's the email that you send with the work that sets it up. Where you say, "So um, I've read your brief. Um, these were the key readings, um, and this is how I've responded to it." And in alongside the work, it's like you mentioned this, this, and this, and we we've, we've built a, I think, positioning statements or some kind of statement short statement that um, condenses what they want to achieve or their, their position or something like that. Um, every time that you present the concept in the document, that you're always referring to that and you're using exactly their words yeah. to describe what's going on rather than, or always, always just making sure that you're referencing what they said rather than just like, here's the work. They don't just don't have anything to ground it in. Um, but yeah, you have to have a call right afterwards. And the, the other red flag is where you send it and two minutes later they say, yeah, I love it. And you think, <laughs> oh shit, I really need some pushback. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need that client pushback, right? For them to say, okay, so uh, this is really interesting. And this is interesting this is why it's interesting from my experience of my business or my industry that loads it with a bit more credibility and you can then shape other aspects. If they just say, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, that, <laughs> that makes me really, really nervous. Do you still get nervous about presenting ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, cause I, I, I think it's like a human thing where you want to surprise and delight, right? They're excited. It might be the first time they've hired a designer. They, they've tried to articulate what it is, their vision. Um, they've even trusted you where they've said, um, you know, uh, we don't know what we're looking for. And you try, you know, that's a very scary thing, right? Yeah. Um, 
and you kind of have to sort of conjure up something from all of the things that they've said and you you may have even written the creative brief for them there's still the subjective component that is frightening for me is that uh, of course I've had many clients have said I hate it um, and that you've had to do a bit of work to get them to understand it but there's that feeling inside of rejection right that even though you know you're going to have to have a conversation about why it would serve their business it's still that feeling of I've just put my heart and soul and 15 years of, of working in, in, in design and understanding. Um, for me, I'm not saying that design is my life, but it's a very large part of what I do. Um, it does hurt a little bit still, but it's always, um, it, it, it's a lot less now um, that you, you kind of learn that it's just business and they want a, a good result and you want a good result. And actually, I'm more reassured when a client is engaged in that way. So um, I've found that now it, it, the conversation is more, um, they say we don't understand it or that, that it doesn't sit right, but we want to have a conversation, right? And as long as they say, can we have a chat? rather than closing the project down it's always a, a like great okay so we can go from there so actually one of the the fundamental learnings is that as long as they don't shut the project down those set of concepts is a good framework in which to move on from and that they're engaged and that even if they don't initially like those you know why and you can build on that um rather than when they say um, no, it, it can be a bit more painful because you know you have to go, you have to sort of um, temper that sort of non-business thing. That, that it's not ego; it, it's it's just um, you've put yourself openly on the line, and you want to do the right thing, right? It's it's rejection, isn't it? Like you said, it's just you don't want to be rejected. You've spent a couple of weeks sometimes maybe a little bit longer or a little bit less but you've it's been your whole life for a period of time and you think yeah this is amazing and then you're just in that nervous kind of state where you're showing the client for the first time you don't know whether they're going to like it or not and then they see it and you're so excited about it and then hope you're hoping that they're going to be just as excited when they see it for the first time too and and, and yeah that is often the the first stage of an, a round of amends and sometimes they love it which is great and that's exactly what you want but I think that that bit not just as a new freelancer but as a new designer as well the the bit about taking feedback and taking feedback takes time I don't think there's a way you can shortcut that I, th I think you just you just take it personally and you can't help that and it's over a period of time you learn not to take it as personally it still hurts a little bit <laughs> for me anyway it still hurts a bit but there's there's the other there's the other side of it as well is not the taking the feedback personally but it's being able to detach from the work too that if your idea is wrong and the client re explains something to you and it's not right the work is not right you have the ability to, to detach yourself from the work and the ideas and then move on to something else so when I, when I approach design work like that, I'm I'm very pragmatic about that. If, even if it was my favourite idea a couple of hours ago or twenty minutes ago, I, I'm happy to bin it and start again if that's what's necessary. 
Yeah, and giving yourself um, a buffer. So what I do um, on any feedback I get from a client, whether it's come within half an hour receiving concepts or two days, is to say, thank you very much for your feedback. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm going to take the time to read through your email um, and think about what you've had to say, and I'll get back in touch with you tomorrow or the day after. So they have a time frame. They feel that you've listened to, to them um, and that you're going to consider the, the, the way you move the project forward. And then even if you're really, really upset, um, you've done the professional thing, you've got time for yourself to, to maybe you don't even look at the project for a day. And when you come back to it, their email may read way more rational than when you first read it. You can remove any of the things that you, uh, what you call projection, where you assume that that's what they mean, but it may not be what they mean. Uh, you may read it as aggressive, but it's actually the way you perceive it, and it, has, it really has no aggression. So just that buffer time to uh, take it all in rather than saying, um, I think you're wrong <laughs> or anything, you know, in, instinctual or personal or just a bit of time, you know, and um, yeah, for me, it still, still does hurt. Um, I don't like to get things wrong or to, to, and also humility, right, is if you've done something wrong, uh, if you misread something, um, if you've made a mistake, be honest and say, um, my apologies, I misunderstood this. Let me take another look at it. And usually people are very, very forgiving and, and uh, yeah, just be honest straight away and a bit of humility. The replying to an email in 24 hours or two days is a really good tip because I've been there before where I've hit reply too quickly and sent, sent an angry email. It's not, it's like, it's that, uh, it's pressing that send button, right? It, it's, it's such a, it, it can happen so quickly, right? You can spend that hour on the really like angry email or whatever, or even if you think you're being rational. But there's that line between not sending and sending is so fine, but can have such large repercussions on the project. Um, you really need to just not even write the email, right? Write it on a piece of paper. What I do is I write it in notes on my phone. Yeah, and I find that that's actually a really good way of um, exercising any negativity or personal responses. Um, I actually do this on Twitter to stop myself getting too um, uh, cynical or aggressive or anything. Is I, I'll write the tweet out in, in notes and then I'll get out my system and I'll move on. Uh, any kind of buffer is useful between uh, you and a client or or you and anybody. You know that you just uh, there's no need to be aggressive. I, I, the the one that always sticks in my mind happened to me probably two years ago, maybe a little bit longer. I am I am a little bit of a hothead sometimes. I've got ginger hair. It's it's a thing. So I can sometimes be too short with people, particularly on email, and I I, tr I try very hard not to be. Um, and there was this one time with a particular client. Where it, um, it, I think we'd done some we'd done some new packaging work for them, and and I presented these ideas. And after the project, I got an email back saying they they're not right, or I don't like them, or or the shit, or something like that. And I just 
unleashed a tirade over email that was incredibly unprofessional and it and I, I hit send and as soon as I hit send I felt amazing and then within about 20 seconds I realized that I couldn't pull the email back and then I didn't feel amazing anymore after that and then it I had to go into a meeting with the client and explain to them how I didn't mean the email <laughs> and I'm really sorry it, it it just descended into absolute farce and I'd wish I'd never sent that email and then since I've never sent an email <laughs> like that because it, it's easy to send the email especially when you're angry which is exactly what I did and then it takes days to unsend the email in a client's mind and it might never be unsent in their mind never again it can come the other way around where the, the client is is the hothead and you are required to show professionalism even if they're triggering you and the key for me is to avoid um occasions where it spirals out of control where the emails are just going backwards and forwards backwards and forwards and actually not progressing anything forward where they just keep on saying um uh, very personal and negative things uh, that isn't constructive and you keep on reiterating uh, say the agreement that you had and they might say okay we're now going to take it to uh, uh, we're going to see you or whatever like that and you just have to draw a line and say um, I've listened to everything you've had to say um, I don't think there's anything more to be said here if you feel that you need to take this up with a, a um, with somebody else, um, please have them contact me. Um, this is my position, and write out your position. Uh, just reiterating um, uh, everything that, that that has happened and how you've responded and how you feel like you fulfilled the agreement, and saying. Um, I'll be happy to to have this conversation again if we we can talk within a sort of civilized means. Uh, but until then, I, I won't be further responding to these emails. And I hope nobody ever has that experience, um, but it is possible. Um, and it's just remain professional, and you'll know when when you are crossing a line. Um, for me, I just know when when I'm being unprofessional. Um, I always try to say as l to say um, rather than writing really long emails is to be concise and to the point. And that's really, really important is remove anything that is superfluous to what needs to be said in that kind of instance, uh, because you can write the wrong thing and it can be misunderstood. And particularly in a legal context is um, remember not to give away too much. Mm. Um, well, what happened, the reason I got to the angry email stage is because we let the project run on too far with me being unhappy working on it. So what had happened, that, that email was the boiling up of months and months of frustration working on the project. And then I sent that email because that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. The actual thing that the client said or, or put to me in the email didn't really matter. That was just the point where it snapped. And the reason I'd let it get to that um, what had happened is the client had brought in a marketing manager uh, to work on the project. So I, instead of working with the client, started working with the marketing manager. But I didn't agree with the marketing manager. All of the design decisions that they were making weren't right. 
for the brand or they didn't look good either and that's what really irked me the thing the suggestions they were making were undoing all the hard work that we'd spent the previous year doing because we'd built up a lot of the brands particularly visually we'd built up a lot of the brand so they brought the new marketing manager in and she uh, and and they were undoing all the hard work that we'd done so the frustration was building and building and building and I kept telling the client that this was the case. But the new marketing manager used to work for Marks and Spencers or something like that. And they, they had apparently an illustrious portfolio of previous work. And every time I pushed back against the suggestions, I was getting the response, well, this website does it, or this does it, or this brand does it, or this brand does it, so we should do it. And it, that kept building up. And ultimately what ended up happening after that email is we continued to work with them for a month or two and then eventually we moved we stepped away from the project because it it wasn't working but what we should have done or what I should have done earlier is stepped away from the project much sooner I I got into my head that I could fix the situation and because I'd already sunk so much time into the project and I wanted the client to succeed I kept thinking that I could somehow fix it I could somehow finally convince the marketing manager that my point of view was correct, even though she didn't agree. And I kept thinking, if I just keep going for a little bit longer, maybe I can convince these people that I'm right. And it never happened. So I should have earlier noticed those signs and stepped away from the project. And everybody would have been much happier. But I'd got... I got eaten up in this idea that the brand was getting destroyed and the the visuals of what I'd spent so much time doing, which really was about my ego more than anything else. But I, I was getting too close to the project and I should have stepped back sooner and I didn't. I'm not, I'm not sure what's worse when that happens or when uh, the client loses your enthusiasm and you just start to do it because of the money. Um, where they they are actually paying you enough to sustain your uh, lifestyle, and that you're still doing other freelance work for other clients that perhaps you're enjoying, but the work is never going to be as good as it can be because they lost you, right? That they promised you so much, and that um, that you've you've you believe that. And I I never really talk in terms of correct or right. I talk about credible. I say um, I believe that my experience and this solution is a credible route for you to, uh, uh, to use and um, that it will benefit you. But I never assume that it, it's right or wrong, particularly when you're talking with someone else. It's, you just have to put forward your point of view. It's just really sad when um, that, that they've driven you so hard and that they've asked so much of you and you've given so much to it that the project no longer looks like or performs in the way that you believe is credible and you support working on it. And so in your instance, you retained your passion and your enthusiasm and that actually led to uh, it ending. And I've had times where I've just not been listened to, even though I've put forth a, what I believe is credible and rationalized approach. Um, and that I've, just continue to work with them because the money is good. Um, bank it and and leave it and say, I believe I did the very best I could for you, but um, moving on, I, I don't think I can continue to contribute because 
uh, you not listening anymore. And um, I wish you all the best. Yeah, that's the tough point to get to with any project. And that's something as a new freelancer would wouldn't have any experience of dealing with getting rid of a client or sacking a client is always a difficult conversation. I'm lucky that we haven't done it very many times in 15 years of being a designer. We've done it maybe once or twice. So I'm lucky in that situation, but it's not nice. You don't want to, you don't want to be in that situation. And there's, there's lots of things to think about as well. Um, like you just said, if, and this comes back to the, to the survival point, if, if you you still need the money, you might still have to work on the project and you might just have to suck it up. But if it's affecting you in other ways, which that project was affecting me, if it was just it was just making me angry all the time, it making me sad, you've got to realise that at some point and that's when the money doesn't matter and you've got to say, this and is it. This is where diversification is really helpful, is uh, try and get a few different clients going um, a few different contracts and do not rely on that one big contract to sustain your existence because as soon as that goes south and you're miserable, it's really going to affect you as a, a person. Right? You, you're going to find it difficult to get up in the morning or you're just not going to have the energy and enthusiasm and the work will suffer. And um, Yeah, so from, from a point of like freelancing and starting, it's like, try and diversify your client interests across different industries. So when like the current issue happens that you're not reliant on one hospitality company or an airline or um, any one industry, it's diversify, diversify your skill sets, develop uh, passive streams of income. Um, as you said, uh, bill forward for time, um, retainers are really, really good. So building a, a platform in which you can weather lots of different situations um, is the best approach for, for freelancers. Um, I think that would be my what I would like our listeners to take away from this. Is there one piece of advice, and I'm going to put you on the spot now, is there one piece of advice that if one person said to you, I'm starting as a freelancer, what is that one piece? the one thing that you could say to them that's the most important? Save 30%. Do not spend what you owe the government. Um, I continually have made this mistake over 15 years, and it's only now that I have these... Technology is wonderful. I have a Starling bank account. You can create spaces or pots. Whenever I have an invoice that comes in, 30% goes straight into that pot. So I can't even see it in my balance. Uh, that is the government. Um, do not trick yourself. The money that you get from an invoice is not all yours. Don't spend it all. <laughs> yep, I completely agree. And the only other one I'd say is relate to money too. Deposits. Ask for a deposit. Do not start any single project without a deposit that's going to pay for your initial time on that project because you'll get yourself into a hole on a project that you don't know whether you're going to be able to recover from and um, make sure you save your tax and then make sure you take deposits <laughs>